You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. Jesus said, Take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Genevieve, Today, your parents brought you to Jesus. Genevieve can't walk. (laughs) She can't lift herself off the ground. Um, I'm pretty sure that all Genevieve can do at this point is is cry, uh, eat, and sleep. Yet, out of love for their daughter, Steve and Emily have brought their their daughter Genevieve, to Jesus. It's it's not enough. It's not enough, and it's not good enough to be strong enough to, to crawl your way to Jesus, and only then will Jesus receive you to be his child. It's better. It's better. And in fact, this is the way that Jesus wants it. When our friends and when our family pick us up and bring us to our Savior. Today, Genevieve has been saved by baptism and by faith. Not by the faith of her parents, but by her own faith. Just as the man in today's gospel lesson was saved by Jesus, by His blessing, by His word, and by His own faith. Now this morning, we're going to meditate on this. How is it that God can save us in this world? How is it that God can speak in this world, and how is it that He can save I think there are probably two scandals at the very beginning of the gospel lesson. Uh, The very first scandal, of course, is what Jesus says, right? Um, This isn't a scandal, I think, for the people who are gathered around Jesus as much, but it is more so for us. What I mean is that when, you know, the roof had the hole cut out through it, when the people lowered down their friend to rest before Jesus... I mean, what we'd expect, what we, what we would expect to stand out to us is the healing, right? That Jesus reaches down, that he, that he tells this man, rise, pick up your mat, and walk, right? And in fact, if we were at home and telling this Bible story to our kids, this is probably the thing that we'd fixate on. That look how Jesus has, has healed this man, that he told him to get up and walk, and he did. But really, the surprising thing, is that once this man is lowered down through the roof and lying there before Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, get up and walk. Jesus tells him to take heart, my son. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven you. It's a very odd thing to tell a man who is lying down in in front of you. (laughs) 
It's hard for us to hear. Uh, because we do not know our sin, and we don't know the effects of sin. Especially in our world, you know, you, you talk about sin and people imagine, well, that's in the old days, you know, people used to think abstractly about wrongness, and that's what they called it. Well, that's not what sin is. Everybody, I think, who had gathered around the paralytic and Jesus in that room, in that house, they would have known the Scriptures. And the Scriptures that say that the human heart is evil. That we were born in corruption. That we do not fear, love, and trust in God. We do not love our neighbors as ourselves. Even as our first parents, Adam and Eve, never loved God as they should have. And because of that, what happened? Sin entered the world. Death entered the world. And corruption and pain and suffering. I think it must have been much easier for the crowd gathered around the paralytic to look down at that man and to be able to ask the question, Who sinned? This man or somebody else? I don't even think that, natu- that, that it's so easy for us to bring ourselves uh, to ask that question, even though that is the question. What has sin done to cause this kind of pain and this kind of suffering? But it's good that Jesus speaks not only for the benefit of the man laying before him. He speaks not only for the benefit of the scribes and the Pharisees and the crowds of the people who are gathered around him inside that house. He speaks for your benefit. He wants you to know that no matter what pain you might have, no matter what illness has overcome you, no matter how close you are to death, no matter how good you think you might have it in this life, you still have this great problem of sin. That your thoughts have been far from God, your heart has been far from God, your words have been far from God, and you don't think and care for your neighbor. Because of this sin, because of your sins, you must die. That is what God says. That is His judgment. That is your problem. Now, of course, Jesus doesn't look at the man laying in front of him and say to him, you are a sinner. He looks at him and he says, take heart. Your sins are forgiven you. This is the second scandal. (laughs) We really don't like it, as Americans especially, I think, when we have very, very practical problems, when somebody says to us mere words of comfort. I mean, I've seen people get angry, like shaking in anger, when somebody tries to give them words of comfort when all they can see set before them are all the worldly obstacles that have been set in their way. Financial obstacles, you know, 
bodily obstacles, the obstacles of of not being able to, to have what I think it takes to have a good and productive life in this society, to have a happy life. When somebody comes to me and says, my friend, I'm praying for you, or my friend, I'm thinking about you, when they try to offer words of encouragement, we take it as offense and say to ourselves, what will your words do for me? Nothing. Nothing for my practical life. It's useless. And yet Jesus, very impractically, says to the man who cannot get up, who cannot move, who couldn't bring himself to Jesus, he says to him, your sins are forgiven you. And almost, I think, if if the Pharisees hadn't said anything, right? If the scribes hadn't have grumbled in their hearts about what Jesus had just done, then perhaps that would have been it. That Jesus was content to tell this man, your sins are forgiven you. And in fact, the man laying down on the buyer would have been happy to hear it and think to himself in that moment, by faith, I have everything. I have God's kindness. I have His mercy. I have been saved. The guilt that has been hanging over me is taken away. The accusation of the devil against me, holding up the weakness of my body, holding up the the brokenness of my body, and saying, look, If you have a body like this, surely God must hate you. All of that is taken away by these words. By these mere words. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven you. Surely the man laying down on the pallet hears the word of Jesus and he believes and he is saved. By God's grace, and through faith, trusting in Jesus to offer more than just mere human words, but the very Word of God. And this is the third and final scandal of this text. The scribes and the Pharisees hear loud and clear what Jesus is saying. That here is a man who looks like just any other man. He opens his mouth and he presumes to speak for God. You see, to say, your sins are forgiven you, isn't to give some kind of spiritual platitude. It is to render the judgment of God. It is to speak from God's throne. It presumes to say something eternal in this world. For a mere man to presume to speak for God, to put words into God's mouth, when the scribes hear this, they they say, this is blasphemy. But Jesus knows their thoughts. Jesus knows their grumblings. And Jesus shows them that he is not a mere man. He is the only begotten Son of the Father. He himself is God's very Word. 
Jesus, speaking as God, says, I forgive you. He takes what we think to be the immaterial, the impossibly high courts of heaven, somewhere out there that we can never reach or obtain. Jesus takes this council and this throne of heaven and brings it to earth through his flesh, in his incarnation, and through his preaching. This is how you should see the scene in the gospel lesson. It's not merely a house with a crowd gathered in. This is the throne room of heaven. And seated upon the throne is Jesus himself. You should see not just four men who are bringing a paralytic to stand before another man. Rather, you should see men who are driven by faith in the word of God already to take their friend to petition their Lord and their God and their King. And instead of speaking against this sinner, the Lord of heaven and earth says to him, Take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven you. To prove the scribes wrong and to prove the Pharisees wrong, Jesus shows them that by the same authority that he has just spoken with, so also he can tell this man to pick up his bed, to get up and walk out of the house, to go home. And that's exactly what he does. Now, you and I are tempted to think and to have the same attitude as the scribes and the Pharisees in this text today. Uh, We see the people and the crowds giving thanks to God because he had given such authority to men. And we rightly identify that, that man especially with Jesus. But of course, Jesus is ascended, right? He goes to sit at the right hand of the Father. And I think to myself now, oh, if only I could have seen the great miracle that Jesus did, my faith would never waver. If only I could have a little bit of the healing that the paralytic received, then I would never doubt and I would always believe. Or if only, if only Jesus were here with me right now, but I finally have certainty that, that, that maybe God isn't angry with me. That my pain and my suffering and, and my troubles, that these aren't marks of God's judgment against me. But, but I, but if only Jesus were to tell me also that God loves you, then I would finally take comfort. But of course, what does Jesus do before he ascends into heaven? He does the unthinkable thing. He takes the authority that he rightly has as God's Son, the authority that he has by by virtue of who he is from eternity, and he gives it to men. He gives it to his apostles. He gives it to his church. He gives it to you. This is what Jesus says. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
Jesus hasn't gone back to heaven's throne in heaven. Instead, the throne of heaven remains here on earth with you to save you just as it saved the paralytic man. Jesus has taken his words of mercy, his words of forgiveness, and he has placed it onto the words of the pastor. This is what we teach in our catechism, by the way. That when you see your pastor standing there before you, saying this audacious, crazy thing, that I forgive you all your sins, then you should see this as the throne of God, And your ears should hear the voice of Jesus. That this man has been placed here by Christ's Christ's command. And it is Jesus' desire that this man tell you that your sins are forgiven you. That despite the despite the accusations of the devil against all of your sins, despite the testimony of the weakness of your own bodies, right? Despite all of the doubts in the world, heaven is given to you today. The kindness of God is given to you today. You have a gift that is greater than any weakness, than any suffering, than any pain, because God has spoken, and He never lies. And even if in this life you are overcome by your weaknesses, even in this life, if you are overcome by death itself, you know that God does not lie. He has given you His mercy. He has given you His kindness. And just as He raised this man up, so shall He raise your bodies up out of the grave on the last day. That is the faith that you have. That is the certainty that you have. Jesus also wants you to speak these same words of kindness and forgiveness to your brothers and your sisters. I want you to hear this and to hear this clearly. God does not give the office of the keys to the pastors alone. He gives it to the church. He gives it to moms and to dads to forgive the sins of their children and their babies. He gives it, he gives it to brothers so that they could forgive their sisters. He gives it to teachers so that they can forgive their students. He even gives it to children so that they can forgive their parents. You have the keys. You have the command. If your brother sins against you, forgive him. Because Christ has forgiven you. And inasmuch as Jesus died upon the cross to wash away all of your sins, he has also died for the sins of your brother and the sins of your sister. 
There is nothing standing between any of us and the mercy that God desires to give by his word. We must have it by the word. Because apart from the, this word of forgiveness, apart from this word of mercy, we would not know. And we would have no faith. But thanks be to God that even as Christ ascended to sit at the Father's right hand, He also told His church to go and preach the gospel to all of creation, to baptize, to bless, to feed, even with His body and His blood. Dear saints, Stay close to this word. And in that way, you stay close to your God. By this word, you have a God who is not angry with you, who does not hate you, but he loves you. And even as if you are stricken, even if you hurt, and even if you're attacked by the devil and his lies and his temptations, by this word, you know and will always have the comfort and the certainty that Jesus has died for you, he has saved you, and he will give you eternal life. To God alone be the glory. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.